3,800 square feet, not big enough for the two of you? No, no, not even close. Okay. Not even close. <laughs> not even close, dude. Nice. No thanks. I'm not looking for roommates, Josh. I just right. want to share like, the same building right, right, in right. the same very, very, very large space. Yeah, he wants us to go to a building where we have to get our own fucking mail. Give me a second. You, there, you literally are going to have a live-in butler. You don't have he to get the committed. mail. He hasn't committed. What do you mean he hasn't committed? He's coming. Wanna make that paper? Wanna make that dough? This is the affiliate marketing show. Wanna make that paper? Wanna make that dough? What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe for all the latest affiliate news, updates, tips, and trends. Again, I'm Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's number one aggregator of affiliate marketing information, including networks, offers, advertisers, everything you need in the affiliate marketing space. We got you covered. We also have Mr. Paper Call himself, Adam Young, as well as the creator of the exclusive Ringba tank top, Harrison Gewurz, plus Fernando Mendez. CEO of Assure Media, a reliable performance marketing agency connecting consumers with brands through high quality inbound calls, live transfers, and real time leads. What is up, Fernando? How you doing? What's going on, Josh? Doing well, man. Can't complain. Appreciate you and the team at Overvault and, of course, the team at Ringba hosting the show and, and bringing me on. Yeah, man, you're a, a name we've been looking to get on here for a while. So I'm super pumped to have you join us today. I know that you've been in the paper call space for quite a while now, over 10 years since 2012, and was fortunate enough to be a part of a acquisition of your former company in 2017, which later parlayed into Assure Media. So I'm curious, where do you or how has the paper call industry ch changed since 2012 let's start there get us up to today and then where do you see the industry headed and we'll talk about what maybe some people can do to prepare for where you think we might be going sure yeah absolutely um so it's been an exciting journey and and ride just seeing the evolution of paper call from you know as you mentioned i, I was fortunate to be a part of a paper call agency at that time that's that launched in 2012, which was, I would say, the infancy of paper call, right? It was when everything was, you know, the user experience was shifting to mobile. Um, I remember seeing like the articles on Google with 80% uh, of the online experience shifting over to mo mobile advertising or mobile, mobile in general. And I think that, I think we beat that by not just 2016, but by I think 2014, we were already at that 80% marker. So it was a, it was incredible uh, to see and and be a part of the new frontier of lead generation, um, with you know everything being on the on the online lead side and then shifting over to the mobile consumer, um, seeing advertisers take advantage of of the new uh, the new marketing channel and as a as a young uh, excited and, and hungry uh, paper call marketer. I was fortunate to be a part of uh, the agency called Exact Match Media. Um, at the time, we grew that business from infancy, trying to figure out what, you know, how to connect, um, how to generate inbound calls with Google's paid search and Google's in, in enhanced um, or essentially click to call um, modifier and click to call function and then leveraging affiliates and strong partnerships um, throughout that time. 
and connecting those connecting users with mobile um, to direct advertisers across multiple verticals, but with a heavy focus in the insurance space. And Google being a big just marketing channel at that time. And over over the last few years, we've seen a big shift um, over to uh, paid social and other social advertising platforms, such as Facebook, TikTok, um, and and then obviously YouTube, right? YouTube being a, a rollout with video and and that being pretty pretty major. So um, it's exciting to see how some of the other or going back to like 2012, you had we were at the time we were utilizing other call tracking solutions. And when I jumped back into the space in 2017, I was able to, I kind of heard about the the new kid on the block, so to speak, and, and this new up and coming uh, platform called Ringba. And it was exciting what uh, the team, Adam and uh, Harrison put together. And um, our team kind of started to, to test and, and figure out how we can utilize Ringba to, to supercharge our campaigns um, when we launched Assure Media. And that was in, you know, it was during the height of uh, of COVID as well. Um, so I, once again, I was I was a part of that agency, right? That grew from 2012 to 2017. We we grew that business to the point of acquisition. I was fortunate to be a part of an acquisition that um, that took place in yeah 2017, and then um, I I was fortunate also to help transition that business over to the new buyer. And then I kind of took a year off to figure out what was next, right? What was what was on the the horizon for paper call, um, even for myself, right? So I kind of get back into the space, um, and and then I took a shot at potentially launching my own endeavor and um, my own agency. And in two thousand and uh, about nineteen, two thousand nineteen, we we launched we launched uh, Sure Media, and. Uh, Built, built a strong team. We, we grew it at the, in the height of a pandemic when, you know, the, the world was a bit crazy at that time. And we were fortunate that we're all working remotely. Um, we, we had it for a short period. We actually launched a call center um, here in South Florida. We had a, a call center in Coral Springs and we helped. And during COVID, we had no choice but to shut that call center down. So we decided to go remote. Um, transition the the call center operation over to the Philippines, and we utilize a, a partner in the in the Philippines that handles all of our call center engagement and handles um, soups and nuts for us, and it, it gave us the ability to reinvest that th- those savings into our marketing and and scale our campaigns um, across all lines of insurance with. Um, Fernando, yep. I'm I'm curious when it sorry to interrupt, but no, uh, no, I'm not the, at all. The call center, you, I'm thinking the same question you're about to ask. <laughs> yeah, watch this. Yeah. So when you shut down the American call center and went overseas, um, you know, COVID was a tough environment and a tough landscape. And what I heard you say right there was you obviously were not going to give up. You're going to be resilient about it and then problem solve your way out of the situation. So I'm 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 curious if you would unpack that a little bit, like what happened in your American call center? And then what, you know, what were some of the pitfalls as you were dealing with that problem in moving it Also, offshore? What, what was the transition like? Because my understanding is that the Philippines was pretty strict as well regarding COVID. Uh, 
It, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, we were fortunate that um, during COVID, even with its limitations, we were still able to leverage a, a partnership that gave us the ability mm -hmm. to provide that they provided um, call center, op, not just operations, but um, QA support. Um, and of course, with our data, it gave us access to um, management. Uh, some of the pitfalls and the transitions really came from being able to, the fact that we were able to transition it remotely, um, we saved, we, we just saved costs on overhead, right? Um, what is the cost difference, if you don't mind us asking, like on a percentage sure. basis? On a percentage basis, um, I would say at least 20%, um, which you know, which which was huge for us, and it, it allowed us to reinvest in in our data, and allowed us to just focus more on our on our data, on our lead generation strategies, and being able to focus on on scaling our internal traffic uh, rather than having to manage the the call center here, um, invest in the in the workforce here. And, and that coming with obviously premium costs and then also the challenges the that you know, the call center brought during those times um, with COVID. Do you see similar conversion rates or did you see some degradation in your conversion by moving it offshore? And a follow-up to that, I would love to know, like what are your, your oversight and management practices for making sure that your vendor over there is, um, you know, do, doing everything that they're supposed to, asking the correct questions, the correct way to pre-qual, like, like how do you stay on top of that stuff? So it's, it's a great question. So we have a dedicated um, account manager who over, or call center manager, uh, Sebastian Hoyos, not only oversees our, our partnership, but Sebastian also is a uh, bit of a Swiss army knife. He has a, a lot of the call center uh, background and experience as well. And he actually spearheaded our call center here in South Florida before we made the transition. So he was integral in making sure and continues to be integral in overseeing uh, performance with our call center, making sure that our team is hitting their, you know, their standard KPIs um, and, um, and, and at the same time focusing on, on scale and making sure that from a compliance standpoint, the data is being, you know, everything's obviously PCPA compliant. Where we partner with both Trinaya and uh, Trusted Forms to ensure consent on, on every on every touch point and every lead that gets um, distributed through the call center, from um, yeah, from initial touch point down to the the qualifying transfer upstream to our buyers. We have we utilize or we require every uh, lead to get passed through those two checkpoints, along with um, some litig litigator firewalls we have with, CCP with the TCPA shield uh, or Ringbo TCPA shield. Uh, we also utilize BLA for black, uh, from you know, Blacklist Alliance to help minimize uh, TCPA exposure for all of our clients and partners alike. Um, and just doing our best to make sure from a compliance standpoint that we're, that we're buttoned up and um, we are minimizing that exposure for our clients. And at the call center standpoint, checking in routinely, not just um, from at, at the agent level, but even at the management level, um, understanding what our our, our data our, our data processes in terms of 
um, our, our data scrub process and running it through uh, through multiple DNC checks to minimize you know, exposure once again. Um, so, Do you see a difference in conversion rate between the Americans and the Filipinos? Uh, there's definitely a slight conversion rate. Um, the Filipinos are, they, they are incredibly um, resilient too, and they they do a great job of um, trying to emulate um, the the I think the culture and, and really the uh, communication that that's done to to build rapport even with the consumers as well, um, in effort not to miss a beat, right, and and not um, to yeah to affect quality and and the product that's being delivered to our our customers. Awesome. So congratulations on the goat, by the way, and thank you oh, for yeah. sending that video. Oh, that yeah. was amazing. Um, and on that note, you know, like there's a ton of opportunity in paper call. We all know it because we're in it. I'm curious if someone is, say, an affiliate, because OfferVault's audience is very heavy on the affiliate side. If someone is an affiliate and they're running normal CPA offers and they're interested in paper call, like let's rewind to your, your day one, Fernando, you see paper call, but you know everything you know today. Where would you start and what would you do? Um, good question, loaded question. Um, <laughs> anything, right? Being able to have uh, probably the technology that we have today and and the, the intelligence and the team that we have today. I think talent, you know, People, is people are important, process is important, and profits follow. And those are, are just, our, that's our methodology and, and what has attributed to our success and growth. And I think just having, having the right people in place, um, being able to, yeah, having the right people in place, I think is so key. Um, I was listening to even at, at one of your other shows, on one of the upper episodes um, with Jason from A4D and talk about goats, right? Um, he, you know, highlighting the fact that in every team you you need a visionary, but you also need an an, an integrator, right? And having um, you know Vanessa Arce, who's our uh, director of ad operations, she understands Ringba like the back of her hand. And, and, you know, although the, the support team is, is, is phenomenal in what they do, being able to have someone to, to hold yeah. those conversations and understand the nuances of the platform that, that drives our growth, right, and, and helps monetize the call inventory that's being produced by our, call, our internal teams, our call, our, you know, our call partners alike, um, it's essential. And being able to establish at early on having also the and, and lastly just being able to have the the capital to invest in those resources um early on it's we you know it, early on we 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 bootstrapped the business and we were fortunate with a little bit of luck as well um and taking advantage of a certain growth verticals, right? The the uptick with the Medicare insurance vertical, um, final expense, right? The ca the catalyst from COVID, although it being unfortunate, it's kind of served as a catalyst for the final expense product. And yeah. many of our customers took advantage of that, and we were fortunate to be at the forefront and and providing those marketing services and, and being a conduit to help connect those consumers those insurance agencies for those products 
Um, so some of it's kind of luck, but I, I think just establishing the right talent. Um, and then also if, if you have the capital available to be able to um, utilize it more effectively um, on day one with Fernando, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, in 2012 at, at the time, because we were, we were at the, you know, 2012, we were trying to understand just how to minimize, how to protect ourselves from fraud. Right. With on the CPA, on the CPA side, CPL side, you have a multitude of different uh, fraud um, detect detectors, if you will, or fraud tools that help minimize fraud. Right. On the call side, you really need to establish a call, uh, a QA team and a, a QA and infrastructure to help identify if consumers that are calling in are. Are actual consumers with high intent, or if they're being coached in some fashion, whether through some work from home type of opportunity or or what have you, right? Incentivize in some way. And, well, let me let me unpack yeah. that just just for a second for our listeners that don't don't quite understand what Fernando is saying. So he is talking about what is referred to as mystery shoppers most Secret of shopper, the time, yeah. secret shoppers, right? And so there's actually people who sell courses on how to do this and it's, it's ridiculous, but basically they'll recruit people, I won't say where, but they'll recruit people and tell them, hey, you're a secret shopper, you need to call this phone number and talk to the agent and pretend you're interested and ask these questions and you have to stay on the phone for X number of minutes and, it's uh, it's really an unfortunate problem. It's extremely hard to detect. It is extremely hard to track. It is extremely hard to understand. And it's just stealing from advertisers. Yeah. And because of the kind of nature or dynamic of the business with you know brokers, et cetera, these advertisers just get hosed on calls from them. I yeah. I based on what I've seen, it's definitely less of a problem today as it was two or three years ago, but it's still pretty prominent, unfortunately. And so I think what you said is super important, and that is you have to have a quality assurance team and, and listen to your calls and, and pay attention to it. And that's an immense amount of effort, right? Like it's like even you for your margins too. Oh, yeah. Like even oh, for absolutely. just assure a single customer of ours, the amount of phone calls you run, it's just like this massive problem to try and QA it all uh, within your resources. And as you continue to grow, like the problem oh, gets multiplies. More. Yeah, it just multiplies. And oh, so, absolutely. you know, like, it's, it's tough. It's a it's a lot of work to do. But I love that you guys do it. It's it's something that I'm a big advocate of. I think that, you know, our customers should listen to as many of their phone calls as they can. Obviously, they're never going to get to all of them, right? Like, it'll take lifetimes to do it. But even just every day, picking a couple of random recordings, giving them a listen. If I was generating calls, I would do that because you may have feedback for your buyer to increase their overall conversion rate, which is going to benefit you and you are able to get a higher payout on a certain campaign or a certain target or source that you have. Yeah. And done right, quality assurance can be a profit center. So not only are you looking Absolutely. for... A lot of people think the opposite. Though. Yeah. A lot of people think, who cares? Quality assurance. No way. I don't want to pay people to do this. And like... We've had so we've had a dinner where we were talking about this for like hours. Like, look, if you can turn it into a profit center, like you're you're operating your business on another level than the other guys selling, you know, similar calls or whatever. Yeah, you can listen for consumer intent. You can listen for words that they say they're see a coaching opportunity for an agent. Yeah, you're like providing so much value to your end buyer, and you're gonna probably see value to that when their overall conversion rate into a policy or whatever you're selling, you know, calls of improve. Oh, no, absolutely. 
I'm sorry, Josh. Oh, I was just going to take us to our next topic, but if you got something else yeah. to comment on that, go ahead. <laughs> ChatGPT could have transitioned that yeah. much more smoothly. I forgot well, Josh was here. <laughs> we both yeah. started talking at the same time. I was trying to be polite. What were you going to say, Fernando? No, I was going to mention like as a as an additive to just a strong QA process, um, we we developed like an internal custom performance scorecard, which is kind of what we 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 coined it, if you will. Um, but it allows us to essentially extract our data or receive once we receive our data, we want demand data from um, our clients so that we can help understand what what campaigns down to the keyword level, down to the ad source level, what's performing best, what's not, right? Identifying um, what keywords, what ad sources are driving sale or driving high quality intent calls that are then translating to sales. And then taking that data in an as an aggregate, cross-referencing that with our database um, provided by also Ringbo, right? That's where it stems from. And then identifying at the publisher level or sub ID level, what what sources are performing best and which which campaigns to either pause, optimize and grow, right? And not only do we do that globally within our ecosystem and within our network, but being able to then distribute that same data set and information to each respective partner, I think it's, it's huge. And that's been a, um, a significant testament to our growth um, and the and maintaining the growth, right? Because you can hit a certain, you, Harrison's point, like you hit a certain threshold, right? Being it, you can just run campaigns, run and gun until you get to a certain degree. But in order to really scale and build that con con continuity and long-term value for your customers, exactly. QA, it starts with the basics. Right. If and you're QA willing to do QA, like you're changing from a spinning plates return and burn mentality to a, we're going to build a freaking business mentality. We're going to actually build something for the long haul. We're not just selling calls. We're actually building something to provide value to our customers, our, you know, our buyers. They're providing something to the consumers. And now you have a, you know, an ecosystem of value, shall we call it. Exactly. Fernando. Let's talk about everybody's favorite topic, health IQ. Uh, all jokes aside, <laughs> all jokes aside, I, I know that uh, you guys were one of the companies affected by that whole debacle, losing upwards of $600,000 in accounts receivable, which uh, I believe you told me is still in collections. So I'm really curious, how does a company like Assure uh, bounce back from that? How do you guys get through that and uh, kind of surge onward? Um, so first and foremost, right, um, we were one of, apparently we were, we were pretty lucky. I think we were one of the, the, the companies that were affected at the, on the lower scale. Um, yep. and you know, it, it created a, just a ripple effect, I think in our, in our space, right. Um, allowing, I think making us all just that much more, um, prudent and and aware and, and aware of managing AR um, and watching it closely, um, modifying our credit terms with uh, with clients, right, and payment terms, having to accept maybe shift and accelerate certain payment terms to, to continue to fuel and help bridge the gap that was created with uh, with a company like Health IQ. Um, it'll, it, it forces you to look at 
the relationships differently, um, especially with a client at such a, you know, at, at their caliber and size, you would never expect for that to happen. Right. So when that happened, it, you know, with, especially for a company at our size and our caliber, we, it could have completely took us out of the market. Right. Um, but we were resilient and we were able to push through and recover. Um, and Q1 and Q2 was definitely, uh, was it was going to be that challenging test and we were able to make it through, um, you know, thanks to our, our, our partners and clients alike and, and our team. Um, so much so that we actually started to to grow a bit in this last quarter as well in terms of team size. We hired uh, Robert Dabowski, a director of sales, who's kind of spearheading new client development and business, um, really spearheading kind of the, the, the growth of our CPA side of the business and, and also um, developed some of the newer verticals with consumer finance, um, debt settlement specifically within that umbrella. Um, a little bit of home services and being being mindful and cognizant of or opportunistic, if you will, of some of the other emerging verticals or campaigns that perform well throughout throughout the year. Right. And we were so heavily focused on Q4 or a lot of our revenue coming from Q4 and the insurance vertical diversity and diversification, excuse me, is the was the biggest focus going into this year. And do you do you have a, an actual process that you've developed for determining credit limits and how you kind of handle that with your your advertisers or like how did you change I guess the dynamic relationships that you have with your existing advertisers to protect yourself from this happening in the future? Um, so we have we we we've established even from I guess from the infancy, um, Harrison, to your point, like we've had a pretty tight. Um, vetting process on both sides of the, of the coin, right? With clients and then even on the publisher side, um, our advertisers are, you know, in addition to the onboarding documents or a part of the onboarding documents is a questionnaire that a lot, uh, identifies who they are, the type of business that they are, um, trade references, and making sure that all those boxes are checked are, are usually enough to kind of give us uh, a measure on where this, this customer stacks up. Um, I'll just jump in really quick and say, if you are using trade references for credit references, you should probably actually call them. And this isn't for you, oh, this is for the listeners. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like PSA. Sorry, go ahead. I just, in today, I, I no, 100%. Dude, like in today, especially in today's, in today's era, our, you know, our business moves so fast and sometimes you know, just checking the boxes for certain organizations might be enough, but with situations like that, the health IQ, um, you know, debacle, we, we learn from that and we, we take a step, take a breath, identify who this company is, how long they've been in business, um, you know, how, how much of an impact have they made within our space, within their own industry, right? Um, so it's, we're, we're definitely taking, a more, um, we're just taking a closer look on every client uh, that we work with and establishing credit for newer clients, right? implementing a rule where we require at least a, a small prepay for the initial uh, test, especially for a brand new client, right? Um, assuming that, I think that's you know, pretty telling. We, you know, we've yeah. been in the industry a really long time, and when someone refuses to make a twenty-five hundred or five thousand dollar prepayment to kick off a, a relationship, flag, sure. Doesn't even Correct. matter how big or small they are; it's it's a red flag. Um, it's a sign of good faith. 
If you're willing to write exactly. a check, send a wire, whatever, it just shows that you're serious. Do you insure any of your receivables now through uh, Euler or Mez or I think they were acquired, but. Um, so we built the business organically and we were just fortunate to, uh, to do so. Um, so a lot of what we do is, is just organically grown. Um, we, we have, we, we have looked, explored and looked at, um, um, some organizations to help, you know, provide support on the finance side for AR factoring and, um, and just picking up our AR period. And, um, but we've, we've been, we've been fortunate to just continue to push forward just as is, um, because of how that affects also the bottom line. Right. So it's, it's something to look at. You're paying at. a few um, points for that for sure. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're, we want, we want to be light and we want to continue to grow. And I th we're, we're at a point now where, you know, just going into next year, we'll, we'll, we'll be, you know, hopefully positioned um, for, you know, a solid um, position on the, on the Inc 5,000 and, and rec and continued recognition and, um, and then building out, you know, continuing to build out our internal uh, marketing strategies and, and media strategies to, you develop um, additional drivers that are going to help grow the business, um, and I think at that point, you know, maybe there there'll be you know growth um, growth capital or or position for for continued growth, right? With additional support on that. Front. Well, I like that you you're diversifying your industry lineup. I think that's super important. <laughs> we have some customers that are hyper specific on what they do, and that that's a double-edged sword sometimes it's amazing to be hyper specific and really get ingrained into the ecosystem and to truly understand a business you can widen your margins that way you can create sustainable campaigns that way but when you run into a situation like health iq which i mean come on that's not your fault i mean they're literally they were backed by andreessen horowitz like how how much more gold standard do you get so like it's Correct. a super Notable painful capital. Yeah, exactly. It's like a super painful lesson to Tier learn. One. But um, as you diversify into other verticals, you might not know them as well, but it really brings down your um, accounts receivables risk. Because if, for instance, the health insurance industry runs into an issue and you're in you know, five major verticals, the likelihood that all five of those major verticals diversified across a large pool of buyers run into an issue is pretty small. Um, and also, you know, I, I see you're also interested in, and you're going to be growing in consumer finance and debt settlement and whatever. And so outside of insurance, you will see uh, shorter payment terms, you'll see better payment terms. And so that can kind of offset a lot of the, the insurance risk. risk. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's awesome that you're surviving this and you're resilient about it. It's even better that you're willing to publicly talk about it. And I think that's super important. Um, some of our customers I know that took a serious bath on this situation aren't willing to publicly talk about it. And um, taking losses sucks, but if you talk about it, you're kind of helping someone else not, you know, wear those same shoes. Yeah. That same situation. Now and also that. forcing yourself to relive it over and over and over again. So like you yeah, don't dude. make the same mistake twice. Not to say that you made one with the health sure. IQ situation, but look, the reality is guardrails have been put in place that are going to protect your business for years and years to come because yeah. of that experience. And so obviously Great. losing, you know, 3k sucks, but there might be a, you know, $6 million vendor one day and your processes and the things that you've put in place. 
to prevent that will save you millions of dollars. So it might, you know, pay for itself, so to speak, in the future. And for the aspiring entrepreneurs listening, like, I think it's really cool. If you've noticed, this is the second time that Fernando has mentioned that he has had to have some grit in his business. COVID, his call center wasn't working out, shifted overseas, retooled the entire side of the business so he could be successful and then comes out of COVID and then has this crazy issue with health IQ. And he's like, fuck it, we're grinding. And I think that, you know, I think that is, that's a real entrepreneurial mindset. And I, when you talk about it, I don't see on your face that you're like, oh, woe is me or pity me or I'm suffering or whatever. I see you going like, this is part of the journey. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to have to fight anything worth doing. You have to fight for. And so um, it's really cool that you guys, you know, are sitting there growing your business and are like, all right, this might be the hardest landscape ever. We're resource strapped. We're going to figure it out. We're going to well, make changes. Along this is the, way. the the reality of being an entrepreneur and a business person. You, you know, you see someone, if you're a new entrepreneur, you're just getting started and you, you think it's all just like glam and <laughs> smiles and oh, like, there's a lot of shit eating. When you get yeah. used to that, you will succeed because you just get, you just roll with those punches and it just makes you stronger, makes you better in all aspects of whatever you're doing. Hey, Fernando, yeah. you know, Adam mentioned in terms of mitigating financial risk, you know, diversification, shortened payment terms. What other things are you guys doing at Assure outside of that to really cover all your bases on that front? So, um, well, mitigating risk and diversifying across verticals of, or a vertical strategy is one, right? But um, diversification comes in, in a variety of, uh, of, of uh, at different levels, right? So you have your diversification across different industries and verticals, but and then even within the customer base, right? Um, not like not having concentration risk with one particular client and we, you know, you can diversify and then have one major client in each in each vertical, and that still poses some risk, right? Um, so being able to be con just conscious of that and diversifying within your customer base across every single vertical is, I think, is also key, and that's another layer that sometimes can be missed, right? Um, and then, and then at the same instance on the on the marketing strategy, right? Diversifying by channel not limiting yourself to just Google or Facebook, but across, you know, other, other channels such as YouTube, such as TikTok, working with publishers that leverage native and, and just not being able to take that omni-channel or multi-channel approach. And that I think has been a huge uh, contributing factor to our success and our growth. Yeah. I know, I know we've already talked about how you use RingBuzz, your call, tracking platform but i know you yourself are a huge advocate of the technology and i'm curious how has that partnership really kind of fueled the company's exponential growth since you started working with them and what are your basically favorite uh parts of the ringba technology that you really attribute to that success and let me just say adam and harrison love a good ringba plug so this is your opportunity <laughs> to really to really shine so tell Here us a little go. bit about why you love ringba so much so it, it obviously supercharges our business, right? Seeing significant growth year over year, over four hundred percent, and and in growth from year one to, to now, um, it's been you know it's been an incredible journey. And having a technology that's flexible, that is a low cost, that doesn't tie you down contractually, it help is is a huge game changer for any 
um, sole, sole marketer or sole proprietor, right, who's building out a, a new business, you want to minimize cost or you want to control cost. And being able to have a partner, a technology partner that has all the, the bells and whistles and the cutting edge technology at a, at a controlled um at a controlled rate or controlled cost to to help support your growth was essential um especially in the early stages being able to you know just manage that cost m- month over month right and um and then the 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 response that we get from the team if there's any changes that that need to be made if there's any issues that we're experiencing um the support team our dedicated support managers are responding immediately. Response time is is instant um, in most cases. So that you know, having having a partner that not just provides the technology solution for you, but also helps you and guides you through it is, I, I think, is is huge. And and that in itself, the value add that we get from it is, um, you just can't put a cost on it. Quite frankly. And what would you say to companies in this space? And obviously, we're not going to mention those companies or the other. Wait a second! Platforms. I did not ask Josh to do this. I just want to be clear. <laughs> what would you say to the other companies in our industry who aren't using Ringba? Like, what are, what are they missing out on? Or is it really just that you know white glove experience that you kind of just walked us through? A white glove experience. It's it's user interface. Um, it's cutting edge technology. It's constantly being ahead of the curve and understanding the the changes that our industry brings and being able to modify your your solution to help support those businesses as those changes come down the you know come down the pipeline um just just being receptive to change i I think is important and having the framework that is flexible to allow those changes quickly by client I, i think it's huge um, and that sets you aside from, you know, from the others. So for, for those companies that are not utilizing Ringma today, I think you guys are missing out. Um, it's a, a huge value add and a huge, um, I just think it's, yeah, it's a huge value add to your business overall. Um, and, and, you know, and their clients and partners alike. Yeah. Adam, Adam just messaged me on Skype. He said, this is a great segment. Let's keep this going. Thank you, Fernando. It means a lot, but I was like, fuck, is this the affiliate marketing show or is this G2 crowd? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look to your point, Fernando, when you talked about having the right people to set yourself up for success, you know, something we're huge advocates of at Ringba is finding the best talent possible and then helping that talent grow and thrive. And so it's not about just finding the right talent. It's about finding the right talent that is interested in personal and professional growth and receptive to coaching and wants to get better and and wants to grow. You know, Um, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. We had a young gentleman who started off as a tier one support person, which at Ringba means they man the live chat. Now we only hire software developers to do customer service, which may sound crazy, but you just heard the review everybody. So um, it's fantastic. But that, that person five or six years later is now a director of engineering. And they, they learned everything along the way, how to build infrastructure, how to architect, how to, uh, how we think about software design, how we deal with issues, because that's super important, right? Like how to be transparent with customers when an issue happens. So it's just years and years and years 
of coaching these people and they they want to get better and um you know our lead project manager v uh, we have vanessa as well she's incredible and has same sort of thing started as tier one and then wanted to be a project manager and learned how to do it and is getting better and better and um is constantly uh trying to improve and is very open-minded to coaching and so we spend an immense amount of time on the human element of our team to not only provide incredible support to folks like your team, but um, but if you don't do this, you can't you can't build an incredible organization. It's just so powerful to find those people and um, so fulfilling to like coach them and see them thrive and grow. And um, you know, it, it it all starts with that that human element, right? And so yeah. yeah, we build great technology, and I'm super proud of that. And I don't know, whatever. I think it's the best. But really what we have that I know is the absolute best unequivocally is the team of people that works at our company. And that's what really drives um, the success of our technology and our clients and the industry and, and all that. So I'm just uh, shout out to our team. We are so proud of them. Um, and one thing, I will say one more thing about this that we have instilled at the culture at Ringba is mistakes are allowed and yeah. encouraged right they're just allowed to do it once just just obviously just once right like you gotta learn from it second time not okay but the first time right like okay. it's so important to us that if a mistake happens that we talk about it publicly and we help teach each other and lift each other up and, and do these things because you know the one thing i can guarantee is we're going to have a problem some point for something right and so if that's the only thing i can guarantee i, I have to foster an environment where people feel safe discussing problems and growing and learning. And uh, I have a feeling I've met some of your staff, right? I have a feeling your organization is is very similar. Um, and in fact, all of our really amazing clients have similar mindsets around these things. And I think that is the real key to success outside of anything else. It's not soft skills and technical talent or anything like that. It's really just finding those 1% of humans that wanna kick ass every single day uh, and really love what they do and who want to be passionate about it. See, look, look how excited I got just like yeah, talking about yeah. the people. So Fernando, I'm actually going to kick this right back over to you, but it's a perfect transition for this next question. I know you guys at Assure are actually looking to hire some people, including like a director of sales, a few other positions. So I'm curious when you're going through your hiring process, what are some of the most important characteristics and human qualities that you look for in a, you know, potential candidate before they actually join the team? um sure so it's, yeah, it comes down to you you know as adam mentioned the human element is important for us um people you know as i mentioned earlier he, uh, people first over you know before profits right it's people process and then profits uh follow and some of the you know characteristics we look for um is being detail oriented but besides detail orientation team oriented and willing to work with, working, willing to work collaboratively together to, to achieve the common goal. And as cliche as that may sound, it's the basic, it's the basis of of our growth. And having a small team, you have to you have to have that camaraderie. You have to have um, you have to be willing to to learn from each other and and help each other through those tough times um and just being resilient overcoming those challenges being receptive to change 
And those are basic characters, I think, in just in our space alone that are required in order to be successful and effective in our in our industry. It's not it's not for everyone. Um, some some you some have it and some don't. And those are, are, are qualities that I, I think just translate across every aspect of this business. Um, you know, hard work is obviously key. Right. And, you know, similar to but hard work is going to get you through the business, but just being willing to um, go above and beyond for your team and and those those that are, are working alongside you, I think, is is what allows a, a business to grow. And, um, you know, failure is is success and, you know, or what is it? Failure is success in progress. Right. So you, you may feel like you're failing, but you're you're as long as you're learning and you can walk away with something that's going to allow you to push forward with with that momentum, you're going to you're going to learn from it. And you're you're never going to make that you, you're never going to make that mistake again. So that I, I think just those basic elements, is what we look for, um, obviously, having experience in the space is huge. Um, that's that's a plus but there's times where we've you know we've hired um team members part of our team that may have some junior experience in the space but but hit the ground running and just are are hungry and are are you know come in with an open cup and and ready to learn and i'll i'll take you know i'll take someone with less experience who less experience who has that 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 knack for just being resilient and wanting to um, be a part of the team and and grow and want to learn and grow. Um, I, I'll take that over anyone who is experienced. Yeah. Well, Fernando, fantastic job on the Affiliate Marketing Show. We really loved having you on. And we'll definitely have you back in the future. For myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, Mr. Paper Call himself, Adam Young, as well as the creator and founder of the Ringba Tang Top uh, Corporation. <laughs> Starting at the memo. Next time I'll wear my tank top, Harris. As well. You should have given me a heads up. I would have put the Ringba Tank on and the Ringba yeah. shorts. As well as the CEO of Assure Media, Fernando Mendez. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.